So what's the deal with all these random free agent visits like Kareem Hunt and Dalton Reisner? Vikings doing anything about this? Let's dive into it on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun, and let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite shows, whether it is an audio listening platform like SiriusXM or YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. And a special thanks to those of you who do listen to this show every single day. I appreciate y'all so much. Today's Twitter Tuesday. That means I'm answering your questions uh as submitted by way of twitter at luke brown nfl or at locked on vikings you can always send me an email locked on vikings podcast at gmail.com or fill out the google form in the show notes leave a youtube comment however you get it to me i'll figure it out before i get into your questions however there's a couple of news items i want to play a little catch up here uh it's been a couple days since tanner viejo joined the vikings but i haven't talked about it yet so um yeah if you missed that Tanner Vallejo was most recently with the Cardinals. He's been in the league for a few years, mostly a special teams guy, pretty well-regarded special teams guy, which gives him a decent chance to actually sneak onto the roster, replacing William Quincu, who is waived injured and I believe cleared waivers, so is now on true IR. There's actually a question about that later in the mailbag, uh, which I will... You know what? I'll just get to it now. I gritty like Kirk asked, what's the difference between waiving someone and waiving someone with an injury designation? So waiver waving and then waived injured are for younger players who are not vested veterans that haven't accrued a certain amount of years. And essentially it's just a difference in pay structure and like IR and stuff. If you waive someone, you're just cutting them. They go through the waiver process. And then if they are unclaimed, they're a free agent with waived injured. Um, they still have to go through a waiver process, which is sort of a way to prevent you from saying, oops, you got a boo-boo. Now you're going to be stashed on IR. So we don't have to count you toward the roster. Um, if he can still play, another team will be able to claim him and give him the chance he deserves, right? Uh, so you still have to go through the waiver process, but assuming you do clear waivers, which they almost always do because who's going to claim a hurt player, uh, then they go on IR for a some set amount of time, and then there's sort of two options here. They either will reach an injury settlement, which for short-term injuries, like the Vikings waived injured a player last year with a concussion, right, which healed up, Um then they will basically agree to a payment for, hey, if we think you're injured and you're going to miss four weeks, we'll pay you four weeks worth of whatever your salary was, and then you become a free agent there. Uh, Or if they don't reach an injury settlement, then it's just, okay, you're on IR, and for each week you are on IR, you earn a game the game check you would have earned. Um, So you get all your money when you're on IR. So an injury settlement is a good idea if it's a short-term injury for a guy you actually want to cut uh, it works for both the player and the team because you don't have to pay as much as you would if they were going to spend the whole season on, on IR, but the player still also gets paid for the time that they're injured, and then afterwards they can go try to make it on a team that wants to roster them. So that's the, the main uh, difference there. And William Quink, who suffered that injury in, in the Seahawks game. Uh, also, they made another switch at tackle. They signed uh, Chim Okorafor, who was, I think, most recently an Eagle 
and uh, waived Jackie Chen. So we've got more bottom of roster churning at the tackles and stuff. It's kind of funny how many of those they've sort of gone through. But considering the, I'll call it piss poor <laughs> tackle performance from the threes in the C- in the, the Seattle game, I, I'm not entirely uh, surprised. And Jackie Chen was somebody that didn't even get in during that game. So he was definitely like at the bottom of the roster. Um, moving forward with this Twitter Tuesday mailbag, I'll start with another one from 50 year Vikings fan who asks, what are the chances that the Vikings sign Reisner? Any theory why they have done so? Isn't he an obvious upgrade over Ingram or Cleveland? So I, I spoke about Reisner in a previous episode. You can find it. I think it's like v- when Reisner visited, he's in the title. So you should be able to find that episode. Um, but they don't think so. They don't think he's an upgrade over Ingram or Cleveland. You are well within your rights to disagree, but you got to understand they don't do not agree with you on that. Uh, otherwise, they would have brought him in in March, right? Like he was a free agent then as well. And nobody brought him in then. So there's a bunch of reasons could be happening. He could be demanding $10 million a year or something like that, which the Vikings wouldn't be interested in. Or more likely, hey, Chris Cooper knows this guy. Let's bring him in. Let's get him in a workout. And if somebody gets hurt, we'll call him. That's where we're at. So uh, I think it's the same thing with somebody like Kareem Hunt, who also came in on a visit. I haven't really spoken about it uh, just because I was talking about like the preseason game and stuff. But that's another guy that visited and then left. So if another team grabs him, kind of no sweat off our backs. We just want guys on speed dial. But hey, if Madison goes down, we're already down a Kenny Wongwu, or if Chandler goes down or something like that, we need a body in there. Um, we'll call him and that's like a good veteran body. That's not just bringing in some random, it's not bringing in somebody like Abram Smith off the XFL or USFL, right? Um, it's actually like a, a guy with a proven track record. So that's the reasoning behind those things. Um, I, I think Kareem Hunt as a very experienced zone runner, like would make the Viking, like I would feel a lot better about the running back room, at least on the field. Um, if he were around, but I also like kind of get it. Like you don't need a premier name at that position, the way the Vikings are approaching this. And they've sort of made that declaration that they are not going to spend particularly significant resources. Three and a half mil a year, a seventh round pick. They are on team running backs don't matter. But hey, if it's week six, I'm going to guess Kareem Hunt is not going to be demanding too much money. And kind of same with Reisner. Um, So let's, you know, We'll keep you on speed dial in case something goes belly up. Grill asks, say something nice about Andrew Booth. Uh, So, (laughs) I mean, it's not like that hard. Uh, You, for one, in the Seattle preseason game, one bad rep, every other rep was fine. One that, that rep was bad, right? And that probably deserves to define his game. It was that bad. But it was just one. Everything else, he was fine. His feet look a little bit quicker and more controlled. He's just still doing too much. It's like it's like Paul Rudd in uh forgetting Sarah Marshall. Like, you gotta do less, man. You gotta don't do so much. You gotta do less. Uh and, and that's the reason he lost that rep, is he was just uh it was like two kick steps to the outside. And a jump. It's like there's like so much reaction to just an inside release. Uh, or yeah, it kicks up to the inside. Like so much reaction to just an inside release against a guy that you know you can turn and run with. And that's the thing about Booth that that is so frustrating about it is his hips 
And his like w- the smoothness with which he turns and runs when it's time to like bail out and actually go are so smooth. Like it's so good. And if he did want to play a little bit more underreactively, and a guy maybe blows right past him, he can get himself turned around and up to speed really, really, really fast, which gives him a good chance to make plays out of phase. He's just got to trust that, and that takes a level of comfort that uh, that's difficult to get to, and some guys never do. So uh, that that's kind of where we're at with Booth. But there's so many. It's it's not unlike scene where it's like, okay, I see what we wanted from him. I see what we why we brought him in here, and he just has to play with enough confidence so that's what's defining reps rather than the hesitation and the overreaction. Um, Skull Warrior said, should we be concerned with the vague detail regarding TJ Hawkinson? I know we've been told it's an illness, but the variance in participation is just odd. Like 20 minutes after Skull Warrior asked that question, uh, this was clarified. So he manifested it. Good job. Uh, So TJ Hawkinson said that it's an ear infection that is affecting his equilibrium. And it's actually like super dangerous to do a a football practice at full speed with that. So do some indos and that's fine. But if, if you're blocking and trying to run routes and stuff, yeah, that, that kind of thing, like you could just fall over randomly at unexpected moments and that can be dangerous. So I totally get the limited participation in the plan that they've had for him. Um, that, that might be, that's like kind of breaking news, right? That, that TJ Hawkinson is, has an ear infection and that's what's keeping him out. But thankfully that's a short-term issue and not a long-term one. Uh, or it could all be made up because he's doing a soft hold in and the team doesn't want news stories about it. I don't know. What do you think about the moon landing? It's up to you. Squeaks asks, was, was Jared Hall's performance Thursday more his fault or the O-line's fault? Big time. The O-line's fault. Absolutely. The O-line's fault. Um, I think Jaron Hall is his performance on Thursday. I feel like I just have to throw it out. Um, there is certain stuff I can sort of glean, but I feel like a better example will come soon. So I'm pretty comfortable just saying, yeah, let's just put a pause on it and let's see what happens when he gets a more operational offense. Um, I have a bunch more questions that I want to make sure that I get to and get to in a decent amount of detail. So we'll continue with that. Uh, but first let's switch gears into a fantasy football place. Because it is fantasy football season, and our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football's Vinny Iyer to give you some great fantasy football picks, whether uh, it's redraft season right now or later in the season. It'll be like waiver wire and stuff. Uh, but right now, let's say you have gotten a running back you really love, you've gotten a receiver you really love, and you're filling out your roster, and you realize it's like round six or seven, you do not have a quarterback. Or maybe you're in two QB and you need another quarterback. So what about those late round quarterbacks that can really lift your team up in a world where you spent your resources elsewhere? What about Big Kirko? That's like what Kirk Cousins is for in the fantasy world, and it's one of Vinny Iyer's guaranteed fits. Uh, he's, I mean, he's like the steadiest Eddie ever in fantasy football. He wins leagues for sure. Just getting you like a really solid 200 yard, you know, touchdown or two kind of per, per, or 250 yard touchdown or two performance, like every single week, uh, even in games that go poorly, there's plenty of fourth quarter, you know, either a comeback attempt or just garbage time stuff that all counts the same for you in fantasy. And he's never, ever, ever hurt. And we saw kind of what goes into that with the, the Netflix documentary, Hey, you want a nice, safe, steady Eddie that fits with the rest of your team? That's, ain't that what it's all about? A good fit? That is what fantasy football is. And 
eBay Motors understands that, and they also understand that that's the deal with your car. You need parts that fit correctly, and they have a whole system set up to help you find it, whether it's air filters, brake stuff, batteries, taillights, alternators, you name it, eBay Motors has it. So they can give you the peace of mind that you need to not only find the car parts that you need, but also to navigate that jungle of, I've got this year, make, and model, and what's compatible with it, and what kind of part do I actually need, and does it fit, and is it going to be right? That is why it's called the eBay Motors Guaranteed Fit. It's the whole point of like the whole thing. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for that green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Moving right along with this Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, Theo asks... Are you holding out hope for a KJ extension because of your get good players, keep good players mantra or because of other cap responsibilities, young depth at wide receiver and a potential high comp pick? Are you fine with letting him walk? So the comp pick thing always gets super overrated unless that dude is going to get like a market setting deal and be like the premier free agent of the thing. You're getting a day three pick two years from now and that's value and it helps. It helps and you should navigate things accordingly. You should, you know, it's a good reason and the whole point of it is to incentivize like you're not supposed to sign guys to contracts you don't intend on on uh finishing out with them right if you sign a guy to a five-year deal cut him within three years and you don't get your comp pick that's bad management you should assign that guy to a three-year deal and that's the whole thing it's meant to incentivize so that's absolutely you know worth like eking as much value as possible out of that but you shouldn't get excited about a comp pick because like with KJ, there's probably going to be like a fifth round pick two years from the year he leaves. It's something, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, I would love to see KJ Osborne stay in Minnesota. I think having three quality wide receivers, assuming Addison kind of plays out the way that it looks like he's going to play out here. Um, having three is really important. Having two is not enough. You kind of need three. So I think if KJ did walk, I'd be saying, all right, wide receivers in need then it's not the most pressing thing in the world. It's not a first round need necessarily, but they should probably try to, you know, replace KJ Osborne with somebody that can do that role. Um, so I guess it all depends, right? If he says, please give me $20 million. It's like, okay, well we won't do that. Good luck on the market. Uh, but I, yeah, get good players, keep good players, right? Let's see if we can't figure something out with him. Um, I don't expect the Vikings to do that, though. They don't seem to be particularly loyal to to the players that they've inherited outside of the select few that they've like actually chosen, like Garrett Bradbury or Madison. Um, School Train 87 asks, a lot of the deserved hype with Pace and Asamoa are have been highlights of them blowing up run plays, but it seems like their pass coverage hasn't been talked about a lot. What does Flores' scheme ask its linebackers to do in pass coverage? Uh, in pass coverage and how do Asamoah and Pace fit in those roles? So um, they run a, this actually ties into another question. So I'll just give you like a quick rundown. It's from Mike B who asks, do you think we'll be seeing more bracket coverage with Flores as a play caller? Saw it a lot from old Pats teams with the number two CB and high safety on wide receiver one and CB one manned up on wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is this a relevant strategy that we may see? Answer to your question, Mike, is yes. Um, so they run, I call it man mash cover seven, MMC seven. Um, that is, I think that's an old term. I probably should find a new one, but it, they run a cover seven quarters system on the back end that turns into man coverage a lot. So you can think of it as kind of the modern day version of if, if you hear these guys are a man to man defense, it's probably a cover seven 
style thing. This is what Belichick runs. This goes all the way back to Belichick and Nick Saban inventing this stuff in Cleveland back in the 90s. Um, all the way to Flores in here. Mike Zimmer came off the same tree, so it's a lot of the same stuff there. But essentially, it is a set of rules. Um, it's it's usually a split field coverage. So it's, imagine there are seven people. And let's say we're only rushing four to keep things simple right now. Um, so split the coverage. So you got three defenders on one side and four on the other. Um, so the three defender side is a triangle coverage and there's a million different kinds of triangle coverage that determine who takes which guy. So the play call, the coverage call, uh, tells you who you're going to be responsible for. And then there's a few like if thens that cause adjustments and stuff to the call. But the way to understand it right now is you're going to man cover somebody who that is, is determined by this set of rule with these sets of adjustments that you have to memorize. So for the linebackers, they are very, very often going to be manned up on the number three, and the number three is a linebacker, or the number two weak if that's a linebacker, and it's three by one, things will be a little different. Um, but very, very often, they will be manned up on a linebacker. So man-to-man coverage on a linebacker, and I think both Pace and Asamoah have done fine at that. And Pace, in particular, I thought he had a really cool game in coverage, even though uh, others didn't like it because he didn't like get back far enough on that one Yankee rep or whatever. I think he showed some interesting stuff on coverage and some, some range going backwards that I really liked. Um, but I think that they're good fits for those roles. They're also particularly uninteresting roles. So you're not going to hear a lot about, yeah, he, you know, man covered the check down on a play where something else way more interesting happened. We're going to talk about that. So it's probably just, it's an unspectacular role. So you're not going to hear a lot about it, but yeah, they, they do fine at it. Um, Thor Johnson asks, could scheming three in the backfield running back in two tight ends help protect Kirk from interior online pressure? Uh, seems like it could also serve as a platform for both run and pass plays. Um, yeah, you're talking about like diamond formation or whatever, like a big pistol or whatever they call it. It, it's, I think that's a little bit more of a college move because there's just more misdirection required. The Vikings do use a lot of misdirection. It's just not that uh, misdirection. You'll see, you kind of saw it in the preseason game with a lot of motions and stuff, and they've been rehearsing a lot of that too. Um, but the interior O-line pressure, the way to negate that is sometimes you can have a running back that's just in the protection to help. I think that's a bit more of a drastic move. Um, chipping from the ends helps because then it allows double teams. That's the way to protect interior O-line is to figure out ways to get the math to let Bradbury and Ed Ingram double team somebody. And now they're helping each other, right? Uh, or being part of, or just sliding protections toward whoever is uh, struggling. And what the Vikings did a lot of actually last year, I forget the name for this kind of protection, but you actually had the two guards in the center in a slide of their, in a wall of their own where they were kind of protecting each other's blind spots. And then the two tackles would go out on islands because they could handle it. Um, There's a name for that kind of protection that I'm totally forgetting, but that's the kind of stuff uh, that I think you're looking for here. Just putting another player and dedicating them to that solely is a really high cost thing to do. And there are other paces you can run through that might do the job of, of giving the interior the help they need while not hamstringing your route concepts nearly as much. Uh, Cooper asks, are undrafted free agents like Ivan Pace signed to a one-year deal? And if so, why not try to extend him cheaper right now? So I don't know what the rules are if they're the same as with rookie contracts where like Justin Jefferson just became eligible to be extended. Like if they wanted to go sit down and extend Christian Derrissaw right now, they are not allowed to. I don't know if that works the same with undrafted guys, but undrafted free agents sign three-year contracts. 
uh, and then they would become restricted free agents at the end of it. So you can do the tender thing. So it's pretty easy for you to turn that into a four-year deal, basically, by giving him an original round tender as long as nobody else matches the deal and you kind of have to deal with that stuff. Um, and you can do first and second round tender if you're really worried. You know, if Pace is like this total superstar, you could still get him for fairly cheap for four years. Uh, and then you talk about extension after that. That is, for example, Oli Uda or Blake Brandel. He was an exclusive rights-free agent, but same idea. Uh, it was... Um, or same concept roughly right now. And he's currently on a, like a cheaper deal because of it. Uh, Mikey asks when Flores isn't considering blitzing, what are the coverages that we're playing? Oh, that was the other question. So we kind of answered that, but yeah, it's, it's, um, a lot of cover one as well. So I'll give you that. And for linebackers, that's, that means that you're going to be a rat, which is a, uh, an underneath zone, basically, um, watch the quarterback size and break on it. And yeah, pace and awesome both Asamoah in coverage was, I mean, he was drafted more for his coverage than for his run defense. So seeing that come along is part of why that's like so exciting. Um, okay. I have a, a, a few more questions that I want to make sure that I have time to get to. So uh, we just, we're just going to have to keep it rolling. Thank you so much for those of you who listen to this show every single day, my hashtag everydayers. I appreciate you all so, so, so much. Um, let's keep it going here with this Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Scooter asks, I'm afraid Quasi is acting like a jilted lover and can't commit to anyone. So my question is, what would a team look like if it was solely made up of players with only one or two year contracts? Do you think that strategy could be successful? No, I don't think that strategy could be successful because players want security. Um, like Kirk Cousins is the most extreme example of this where he really, really wants to know that he's not going to be in a, uh, an unpredictable situation. Like he wants security, but, um, I think everybody to some degree wants it. Now, when we're in a cap environment, like immediately post COVID the 2021 season where it was a depressed cap environment because COVID effed with the league's revenue. Um, and then the cap was going to explode because not only was that going to bounce back, but a TV deal was coming. So nobody wanted to get locked into a contract when you're negotiating an environment of the cap where an $18 million deal is 10% of the cap. Nobody wanted to do that. So they all said, we'll take one-year deals. We'll take one-year deals. The Vikings, I think, uh, tried to take advantage of this by signing a million, you know, Xavier Woodses and guys, Nick Vigils and guys like that to one-year deals. But ultimately, that level of turnover is a recipe for disaster. Just like with any business, when you first get to a team, there's onboarding. There's tra- there's time you got to learn to learn the playbook or you got to take to learn the playbook. Like it's a it's a story of every single second year guy, a free agent a year after they sign, they go, we're going to take the second year leap. Right. The classic Linval Joseph's the, the example I always go to struggled his first year. And he that was also the year he took a bullet to the leg. So there was some health stuff. But uh, second year totally exploded. That second year leap is like a very common thing. So you would like just get someone comfortable and then you go replace them. You'd be basically constantly putting yourself behind the eight ball. Not to mention it would be a pretty poor use of resources because yeah, you have all the cap space in the world, but you also have to sign like every single roster spot all the time. So you wouldn't really be able to set up the kinds of cap manipulations that are only possible on long-term deals unless you want to start doing void your stuff out the wazoo in a way that's even crazier than what the Saints do. No, I do not think that that would be successful at all. Um, it would be a lot of the, the hot 
ticket free agent names that we're only thinking about because they're hitting free agency right now. And I think that team would probably average about two wins a year uh, if they did that for like a long term. And you'd probably get fired well before we got that big of a sample. Uh, Twitter Troll asks, is our special team something we should be worried about? Seem to struggle a lot in game one. And the last season they were hot and cold. Is If it is a problem, who is to blame for that? So, no. Uh, in the preseason, special teams will always be very, very volatile. Because special teams contributors are guys that are not going to make the team because of special teams mistakes. Look at William Quick made had a couple of special teams flags, which is probably driving your concern quite a bit on IR, right? Or maybe he does the injury settlement thing. Either way, he ain't going to be on the team. So if you were worried about that guy being prone to flags, well, he's not going to be prone to flags for the Vikings and that impact will not be there. Um, if it were like, I guess there are ways to be concerned about special teams if, like, guys that you typically were to rely on suddenly looked really, really bad. But, like, I'm jazzed on someone like Najee Thompson on special teams. And I think Matt Daniels is as well, um, who made all of those plays on special teams. And and the guys who mess, if you mess up on special teams, you get cut over it. And so it kind of has a way of fixing itself. Um, that's just the nature of the preseason. Sometimes your special teams looks amazing because you went up against a bunch of guys that are going to get cut. Uh, so you, you have to take all of that with a big grain of salt. Um, you know, talk to me two, three weeks into the season. If we have all these special teams disaster plays happening, yeah, then we can have that conversation, uh, but not during preseason. Skull Bunch of Numbers asks, do you know the schedule for the joint practices and what you will be looking for in them? Um, yeah, so if you want to go to the joint practices, you can go on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. Um, what I will be looking for in them is, I mean, there's there's a level of competition here. I want to see some of the starters, right? Now, I, I won't be there, by the way. That's that I, I only made the one trip. But um, if you're going to go, you know, watch the starters. I, I, I hope TJ Hawkinson's healthy by then. This is probably going to be the most work that somebody like Daniil Hunter and Justin Jefferson get before the season goes. So this is the time to really look at how the starters fare. How does Byron Murphy hold up against DeAndre Hopkins? How does somebody like Ivan Pace hold up with, you know, Derrick Henry coming through the hole? It's going to be physical. It's going to be probably a little bit chippy. Um, can guys keep their heads? That is going to be your best opportunity to evaluate the starters in a way that um, we used to kind of use the preseason as that like preview for. Um, I, I'll probably talk about that a whole bunch in the the, the coming days. Uh, Famous Norseman asks, an NFL season, but every team's current head coach is their starting quarterback. Do the Vikings win the Super Bowl? Let's see what we got here. So, in terms of former QBs that I'm aware of, uh, you have Frank Reich. Uh, Dan Campbell played tight end, so not him. Doug Peterson. Um, I, there also might be guys. Of course, we have Kevin O'Connell. There might also be guys that we know. Those guys are a little bit older. There are guys that I don't know that also were quarterbacks. You'll have to just let me know who I missed of that. But I think that's it for guys for head coaches that were total quarterbacks. And that's going to be the thing that drives all of this right is which of these quarterbacks can actually play i think we might have an advantage just on age that kevin o'connell is still in some kind of playing shape even though frank reich and doug peterson were definitely more successful quarterbacks in their career than uh kevin o'connell was those guys actually carved out roles as backups and i mean frank reich even has like a playoff win and stuff 
but I think I can probably give it to the Vikings based off of uh, based off of age, just just because he's at least like something of a of a considerably aged quarterback and he's and he's played the position before. So I think the Vikings would do pretty well there. Um, Rock NHL asks, do you see Jefferson's usage in the red zone going up this year? As great as he as he's been, he's never really been a high volume touchdown receiver or is it touchdowns more attributed to randomness so touchdowns are mega random yeah the super 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 random thing and mostly kind of what you're driving at hey when you're in the red zone three receivers win their route that's the thing that's less subject to randomness right that's a skill and it's repeatable etc one of them gets the touchdown two of them don't get rewarded for it at all okay that part's random which one right well, depends on where they were in the progression were they on the left or the right which side did the safety roll down to and that chose which side the quarterback uh chose right all stuff you don't control as a wide receiver so yeah there's a whole bunch of randomness to touchdowns if you're asking from like a fantasy angle um you're probably thinking too hard justin jefferson is like a volume god uh and he's also justin jefferson so i mean he's he's the one one in, in most fantasy drafts i think i think he's the most popular one one in fantasy drafts if that's kind of why you're asking um but also i mean red zone wise this is where you pull out some of your interesting concepts right this is where cj ham catches touchdowns this is where you get you throw up high balls to josh oliver and and tj Hawkinson, not unlike the nick muse pass from the preseason game um you don't necessarily need Justin Jefferson to go beat somebody on a route. And I think that he's also at his best when he can use a big long route stem and you chew up a whole bunch of space really, really fast and kind of set things up. If it's like just the release and then I got to be open, um, I feel like that takes away a lot of the tools that Justin Jefferson is so good at using that. I mean, it's not like he's bad at that, right? Like the, like the Stefan Gilmore touchdown against the, the Colts was awesome. So he still totally has that skill set, but we don't need to like force him the ball necessarily and it's also something you just don't need to be concerned about. I mean, you could go, if the Vikings have an awesome red zone offense and none of those touchdowns go to Justin Jefferson, do we care? I certainly don't. I don't even think Justin Jefferson would if everything's working out, right? Like, okay, yeah, good job. Jordan Addison got all the red zone touchdowns or whatever. We're happy. Um, that is going to be all the questions that I am going to answer on today's episode of uh Locked on Vikings podcast. We'll talk a little more about the joint practices tomorrow uh, since they'll be starting and and go over whatever other news comes up. So we'll see. We'll hope a guy like TJ Hawkinson is healthy. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.